Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. Thank you, Martha. Steve, so good to see you. Thank you for being here today. Can you share a little bit with us about your family's NICU journey? Sure, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here today. I'm really excited. Um, so the NICU journey uh, for us was one that we've really, uh, our best shot was making it to the NICU. Um, Amy's water broke at uh, 21 weeks. So um, there was like two weeks at home, not a viable pregnancy. Then we check in at uh, Abington Hospital in the mom unit and we wind up uh, waiting five weeks for Aubrey to arrive. So we get to the NICU. Well, we had some visits at the NICU. Yeah. It was kind of, that at least gave us a, we could see what it looked like. We kind of got the chance to see what, um, you know, singing happy birthday and washing your hands looked like right. at least at first. But then we, you know, got to, we didn't even really touch down in the NICU before we started hearing like the scary kind of news, you know. Originally, we heard, you know, good APGARD scores, and we're like, okay, this is good. And then there was like, you know, I think probably like an hour or two after we're getting settled in, and they're like, it's getting a little scary here. And, uh, you know, we had to really um, kind of, we weren't going to be able to visit Aubrey right away, so we had to wait and uh, and go sleep, really. It was the middle of the night. Uh, so first thing in the morning, they kind of, you know, let us know that things were starting to get a little bit better, that she was kind of responding. And so we got to at least see her bedside. Right. Um, right. And what brought you and Amy in? So even kind of taking that first step back, how did, how did Amy end up on the mom unit? Yeah. Um, so, you know, she was having a very normal pregnancy. There was nothing that had any, like, you know, there's no concerns at least up to that point. And, you know, we just kind of, I remember playing in a hockey tournament actually that uh, weekend and I had the chance to hang out with the boys and have yeah. a couple of beers and I didn't do it, which was really nice. We had like a really nice date night and um, middle of the night we woke up in a scary situation where her water had broken and we didn't even know what that was. Right. Like we went to triage and, you know, I can remember sitting next to her in the bed while they were testing to see whether it was like amniotic fluid. And she's like, you want to go grocery shopping later? And I'm like, I think this is scary. Like, yeah. I'm not sure what we're going to experience. And and I got to say, that was like the most painful experience, even uh, sitting in that space of um, waiting and then realizing what had happened and then the choices that are in front of you. Um, yeah. And Steve, wh how many weeks uh, was Amy with Aubrey at that point? She was 21 weeks at that point. Weeks. Wow. So that makes it, you know, 23 weeks is more of a viable pregnancy at that point. Right. Um, so they, they kind of, we hospitalized her and then they were like, you can probably go home. So we waited two weeks from home and they're like, just try to have like a, you know, normal life. And I remember going like pumpkin patch picking and we were like, this is, this is weird. This is crazy. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, with the, there's so many things that we all deal with in terms of NICU experiences. And I think you already alluded to some of the fear you had just in, in those initial days, even just seeing the NICU and knowing that this was in the future. 
you know, what were kind of your fears when it came to the NICU and what did you do, I guess, to try to overcome some of those? Yeah, I, what isn't scary about the NICU? I think even, uh, you know, greeting people, you want to make sure that you're doing that in in an okay way, washing your hands appropriately. Um, We were well prepared for COVID. Yeah, we we, we were ahead of the game. Um, So I think the biggest fear, like I kind of was saying, is that, uh, I didn't know whether Aubrey was going to make it. And I thought, you know, all of this hard work that Amy had put in up to that point, um, being hospitalized and, and uh, you know, wait all that waiting time, I was terrified that she wasn't going to make it. And, um, you know, it was, I don't know whether I ever really felt really a sense of security. Um, the thing that probably helped me the most was being able to take things moment to moment. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to be involved and, uh, so, you know, I, I really kind of talked through things with the nurses. I think each one has a different kind of comfort level, especially, you know, fathers are different. So I wanted to be involved, but not over overly enthusiastic about anything. Um, so really just wanted to be coached really nicely. And um, one of the things I did the whole time in the NICU was write to Aubrey. Mm. So, and because of today's a good day, I had a nice journal to work with. I might not have had that otherwise. Right. Thank you. And then reading, you know, um, which you guys also <laughs> helped out with books. Um, and then we brought a whole library, too. So because that's all we could do other than Holder, you know. Oh, my gosh. Right. Mm-hmm. And how how often were you and Amy able to be there, right? Trying to balance work and home and everything. How, how were you able to kind of divide that time? Well, we were there a lot. Um, I was so fortunate with my job that um, a lot of times I was able to be there in the morning for rounds to hear what yep. they're saying. Um, a lot of times I had Amy on speakerphone to be able to participate as well. Um, so there were there were definitely times where, and I was only about 10 minutes from the hospital. So, you know, lunch break, sometimes I would run over, yep. um, especially if there was something kind of going on that, you know, Maybe you needed a little extra care or, you know, maybe the night before we didn't spend nearly as much time as we wanted to and Mm -hmm. dealing with the guilt of should I be there or not. Right. So, um, so very frequently, I would say, um, yeah, Yeah. I I think there was only one day and it was because I I like had the sniffles and I really did not want to be there. We know going to the NICU with the sniffles is a a big no-no. So. So one of the things, Steve, that you said already that I found was pretty interesting was dads are different, Mm. right? So in terms of kind of your approach versus Amy's approach, you know, can you just talk a little bit about that and maybe things where you, you already said you kind of took a backseat with certain things. How did you kind of divide the NICU experience and who was leading and, and who was taking a step back? Yeah. You know, I think, um, holding was definitely uh, something I remember being there one night and they were like, I think you're going to be able to hold her soon. And it was, oh. it was like a week into her being there. And I was there at night without Amy. There were nights where, you know, I said, please stay home, take care of yourself, you know? Um, and so I remember in the nurse saying like, listen, she's going to be here tomorrow and you're going to wait for mom to like, to be able to hold the baby for the first time, yeah. hold Aubrey for the first time. So, um, but uh, to answer your question, uh, we were different just think uh, mentality wise, you know, she's a, a pediatric nurse by mm-hmm. trade. And so she had thought about things through numbers and information. She also thought of everything from a scary standpoint. You know, she sure. saw all of those kind of scary experiences in her professional life. For me, it was just like, 
how can I make the best of, of each moment kind of? So I think even times where we were together, it was me trying to like help talk her through being as calm as she could be and not mm-hmm. being, you know, not thinking about the scary stuff. But then when there was time where we should be thinking about the scary stuff and maybe weighing the options of what decisions might need to be made, that's where I felt like she was very strong and being able to say, well, let's, this is the pros and cons list. Right. Right. You know? So that was that was so helpful. I felt like. Well, we know that you're a dynamic duo, uh, you and your wife, and <laughs> and clearly based on both both of your professional backgrounds, you were uniquely situated to, I think, really kind of lean in on the NICU journey and experience, which no one ever expects to be in. So you just mentioned that Amy's a pediatric nurse. Can you share a little bit about your background and how that probably? aided not only in in your own care, but taking care of Amy and the rest of the family? So I think, uh, so so I I am a a therapist by trade or counselor and licensed in PA. And um, I've worked in family therapy. I've also been a clinical supervisor um, at an organization. And I think the thing that helped the most actually was walking in and seeing that, like, from a system standpoint, you don't just look at one individual in the family if there's problems. You're, you're looking at everybody and how they're interacting with one another. And the thing that helped the most was seeing how the NICU was not just treating my baby, mm-hmm. but my whole family really right. there. And they were asking questions, genuinely wanting to understand what Amy looked like before this trauma right. and how we could, you know, how they could aid us in you know, being as available as possible as parents during mm-hmm. the time that we were there. So I think that was probably one of the biggest uh, things for me. And I, I also think, too, I'm working currently in an organization doing um, advanced care planning with mostly older adults um, when they're having shifting medical situations. Mm-hmm. And they use um, motivational interviewing, which is really just having somebody be able to flush out their ideas in their own head and reflect on them. So uh, one of the biggest things is really understanding someone's values as they're going through that. And I think that that was such a huge experience for my wife and I to just like get a sense of like what we valued, what what kind of people we were making these decisions going into the NICU and and how we needed support. Yeah. I mean, right. You're you're faced with kind of those looking in the mirror type of moments and who are we? What do we value? Kind of looking back on pre-NICU and your relationship with Amy and then kind of while you're in the NICU and then post-NICU, did any did anything change in the way your value set was or did it reinforce what you already knew? I think for the most part, it did reinforce what we already knew. I think we were people that were very planful though. Um, you know, we, we probably, we were married about 10 years before we even considered, uh, you know, kids. And uh, so I think that we kind of, you know, got our education and we were, you know, bought the house and we did all those things very planfully and even up to the point where we had children. And then it was, you know, that was kind of scary. Like, I think we, we had been somebody that were maybe more in control of our decisions, whereas this one felt like things like we started to have to deal with like chaos a little bit, which I think, you know, in relationships, we change and evolve. So I think it was so helpful to, you know, be to together in that, I think, mm-hmm. was was important for us. Yeah, so important. So, Steve, let's talk a little bit about self-care. Mm-hmm. So for you as the dad of Aubrey going through this crazy, intense experience, 
what were some of those things that you did for yourself to to make it through? Yeah, I you know still to this day I think I'm working on that, but I I think that uh, the things that I did most were um, I play hockey uh, a couple times a week. Uh, I haven't through COVID, but uh, you know up in the time that we were in the NICU. I played hockey a couple of times uh, a week and, and just got myself, I felt like um, to exercise and move that felt the best for me. Um, it wasn't something that I really thought about like doing either. I think it was the NICU nurses that really said like, you need to be doing these things. So like even being somebody that values self-care, knowing that you can't pour from an empty cup. Right, right. I Great needed the, I needed the help. Yeah. You know, I needed the help. I needed somebody to say that to me. Mm-hmm. Um and I also tried to encourage it of Amy. I think, you know, she moms have to deal with that mom guilt if they're mm-hmm. not doing something that they feel like they should be doing. And this is just such a unique situation where you're having to, you know, shuffle back and forth in a hospital uh, setting. So I think the thing that was comforting to her is that like we could play. She would sometimes sing songs or read a book to Aubrey and I would capture it on the phone, take mm-hmm. it in and have her listen. And I think that was so comforting for her to even take a break. Her self-care was much more, you know, get, get some relaxation, get a full night's sleep kind, mm-hmm. of, kind of experience. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. You talk about kind of that mom guilt. Uh, Steve, as you know, I'm a uh, pride, proud Irish Catholic and just laden with guilt mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, but during that NICU experience, I, I felt like I kind of gave it all over to Martha, right? Because she had just such guilt about everything and what we could have done differently and she could have done differently during the pregnancy and, you know, and then kind of why we ended up there. And I said, this, you know, none of this is your fault. Uh, So for the dads out there who are going to be listening to this podcast that are probably thinking, oh my gosh, my wife is saying the same things or my partner saying the same things, you know, having some of these same guilt emotions, any, any recommendation either personally or from your professional experience that you could offer? Yeah. I mean, I think I tapping into my professional experience, I think it's always different for a therapist to, you know, be uh, using the skills that you've learned professionally to use them personally. Sometimes you need to be coached or in therapy yourself to be able to do those things under stress. I think the thing that helped me the most was really um, just trying to understand what Amy was experiencing. Like, Tell me more about that was just the question I think mm-hmm. I would ask her. What do you need right now? Yep. Um, and saying it not in a way, you know, in a way that's like you really desire to, to know. And I think being on the same page and uh, being able to do the thing that might just help her feel a little bit more grounded so that mm-hmm. she can see herself that this is a situation that just goes wrong sometimes or goes sideways. And, right. Um, so I think that would probably be my biggest advice is like find out more. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Ask a lot of questions is mm-hmm. definitely something uh, that I know makes makes a lot of sense and will definitely help. Um, in terms of, you know, dads in the NICU, right? The, the, the perception or the kind of the view of all dads, all men, is that we need to be very strong, kind of the stiff upper lip, make sure we're supporting everybody else, right? That's our our role in a lot of ways or what society says our role should be. So for the dads out there who might not be feeling strong right now, what would you say to them and, you know, things that they should think about for self-care and just taking care of themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think the gender stereotype is definitely at play here. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, you know, on top of that, you see that you have 
you know, the physical stuff that your, your wife, your partner's going through mm -hmm. and your baby's going through, you know, you're, you're feeling that emotionally. And I think, uh, the hardest part is to be able to, you know, understand what might be going on for you, like self-talking yourself. Like you, mm -hmm. you mentioned, I think earlier too, like looking in the mirror and being able to, you know, have that kind of heart to heart experience. Uh, it's, it's something that really can help to ground you so that you can be a better version of yourself. And, and I think also too, the system I talked about earlier with the, the, uh, the hospital, the nurses I think can really help you with those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. I think because they are treating the family, I think they're sizing you up, even if you, it makes you feel uncomfortable to know that, but it's done in such a caring way that I think, you know, not all of them, but some of them, are going to be looking out for how they can encourage you. And I think listen when you're hearing that encouragement and do the thing that you, you know, you should probably do. hundred percent. And yeah, I always say those, uh, those NICU nurses are earth angels for sure. And in addition to the NICU nurses, you have the social workers at the hospital mm -hmm. who definitely want to lean in and help. I felt like the neonatologists were, therapists for us in a number of ways. I, I was just so grateful for their support of us. I'm sure you feel the same way about some of the conversations you had with them. We kept having con consultations even before we arrived in the NICU, sure. just because we were like, we just needed another perspective. And I think some of them were, you know, gave some really nice, you know, viewpoint of the way it can look. And some were very like, shot you straight on it so yes absolutely yeah we we uh we definitely had a lot of uh a lot of uh eat your peas type of conversations uh with those neonatologists mm -hmm. uh which which helped though right because yeah. transparency is key when you're dealing with with such you know out of the norm difficult situations so steve you talked about playing hockey and really you know amy finding just some time to get a good night sleep I know for Martha and me, one of the things that we did was actually maybe once every two weeks, once every three weeks, we'd actually just go out to dinner mm -hmm. somewhere near the hospital, right? Because it just had that kind of sense of like we're, you know, there's, there is a life outside of the NICU. So anything else that you would recommend in terms of, you know, ideas for you to do with your partner, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you want to take care of yourselves and you need individual time, you need time with the baby. Anything that you can do with your partner, with your spouse to kind of, you know, keep that relationship strong? You know, we did the same. Uh, we It was rare, rare that we we did take that time. But um, I think it was so helpful to go out to dinner and really just decompress. Um, you know, we were fortunate also that we got encouragement again from those wonderful nurses at the NICU that said, OK, I think tonight is a night that you guys find a restaurant to right. go to. And that was incredibly helpful. Um I think that there's like ritualistic things you can kind of do too. Like, you know, just uh, at night going to bed, we would always call them the NICU nurse if we were just right, there right. and say, okay, what did, what did the last feeding go uh, go like? And, um, you know, how's she doing? Is she sleeping? Um, those kinds of things. Um, yeah. We, and we're not overly spiritual people. And we prayed too during that time, okay. which was, uh, you know, a kind of a nice experience too. I think it just helped us feel like we had some sense of control in a time where we didn't at all. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I feel like that's so key what you said about really that lack of control. And especially, as you said, being planful people, mm -hmm. when you plan for everything, as we talked about, no one plans for the NICU. And I think that's part of the reason why you and I through today is a good day said, hey, let's let's figure out a way for dads to be able to get together 
through the dad's group. So any kind of recollections or thoughts on the dad's group and and why that's important to have a, a space like this? Sure. <clears throat> I think I'm going to back you up, though, because I think even just going to a regular listening session at the hospital, I didn't know I needed that. And I actually sh- kind of struggled to see my place in going, really. I was kind of like, well, shouldn't I be here with my child? Um, I'm, here, I'm set up to, to be sure. here. But then, you know, the nurses tell you, well, you kind of need lunch, too. And they have pizza over there. So um, but I think even even greater than that, being able to have a chance to, you know, meet former NICU parents, some NICU parents that were currently traveling the NICU uh, was so helpful to just get perspective, um, see the other resilient people that were out there, um, you know, doing what they needed to do for their their baby in the NICU. Um, And then to answer your question more about the father's group, I think that uh, it's it's such a hard thing, I think, the stigma of of men asking for support. Mm And I think when we, you know, we've talked and I've, it's been such a pleasure to be a part of hearing other people's stories. Again, such resilient fathers that are navigating very different experiences post NICU or even just right out of the NICU. And right. what they do with that is, is um, special in a lot of ways like yourself. And, you know, there's another member that has written a, a children's book too. Right, I mean, right. like, those kinds of things are you're putting putting such nice energy toward um, you know a situation where people really do need that support. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think for the the dads group with today is a good day. Uh, we we want to make sure people know about it. That mm-hmm. men know that there is a space out there for them. Uh, so if anyone is interested in attending one of the s- sessions, Steve and I will be there. Right, we'll have some type of beverage in front of us, whether it be tea or maybe an IPA. Mm-hmm. Any type of cup is welcome at Dad's group. Uh, but m- anyone that's interested can email info at todayisagoodday.com to find out more about the Dad's group and all of the great programs that Today is a Good Day offers. Paul, before you oh, go yeah. any further, I just wanted to also say too, I think one of the things I think about as a therapist being involved too is that I don't want to intimidate fathers that could sound Mm -hmm. that could come off um well I don't want to be in therapy and I want to kind of encourage also that I'm a father there too um and I think one of the things I do encourage like families to do when I'm in family therapy is you have different people in your life for different support and sometimes you can turn to different people for certain kinds of you know things to be supported with and I think the dad's group is more of a like we are like an anomaly dads from the NICU and so being able to come speak or not I think and not be intimidated by the experience um, is something that I would encourage any father to you know try on and see if it fits well Um, and we're going to be welcoming and supporting supporting you um, through whatever you're going through. 100%. And Steve, I know with our experience with Claire and Mary back in 2010, we were the first and only people, not only in our immediate network, but extended network that had had a NICU experience. So we really didn't know who to turn to, who to speak with. You know, there wasn't that cousin or friend that we could say, hey, what was it like for you? So something like the dad's group back then would have just been a welcome space to kind of get some of that information and some of that perspective that we so desperately needed. And as we both have talked about, right, it's it's during the NICU, it's post-NICU. 
some of the things I think we've shared about Claire, right? The the journey continues, right? Yes. She's 10 this year, but there's always things that are that tie back to that extended stay in the NICU. So Steve, with that said, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, as we look to start wrapping things up here, when you look at best practices, any any things that you would say, hey, here's like the the one or two things. If any dad's out there, make sure you're doing this and this uh, to to make this experience as as good as it can be. I think I'm just going to reiterate some points that I already shared. I think, um, you know, one of the things I looked at when I saw all those things hooked up to my child and thought, oh, my gosh, this child has gone through more things in this little tiny lifespan that she's been been through. How can I not admire her? Mm-hmm. And I think when I look at her and see her doing things that she does now, meeting milestones, I can't help but watch a tear or feel a tear mm-hmm. fall from my face just in excitement seeing her be able to do things. Mm-hmm. And I think even just watching her go through the the difficulties, like kind of like being in it with her and seeing the efforts that she's trying to achieve that goal. Um, and then I think self-care, you know, I mentioned what worked for me. I think there's so it's so different for every single person what self-care looks like. So I think being able to try some things out, try not to feel that guilt and, you know, just try to be the best person you can be going into that NICU because, gosh. I feel like she really responded to those things and the time that we spent. I love it. And so, Steve, tell us about Aubrey today. <laughs> well, today she was driving me absolutely crazy while I was trying to do some gardening. Um, and But I just could see the smile on her face when, uh, you know, I'd look up. And she, one of the things she's doing now is uh, if we tell her kind of like not to do something, she just kind of repeats it back to us with a smile. And you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> But she's super determined um, and she's a pleasure to spend time with. Um, and we're really, uh, you know, I think one of the things that's been nice about the pandemic is just being able to, um, you know, be close with her and and spend the time dedicated to supporting her growth and development, really. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like for any NICU baby and any NICU parent, determination is in their DNA 100%. So Steve, thank you so much for being here today. We greatly appreciate you and your family uh, and all of the great knowledge and perspective you shared with us. And as a reminder, if anyone is interested in attending a dad's group session, please email info at todayisagoodday.org and we'll let you know about upcoming sessions when we'll all be getting together. Paul, thank you so much. I very appreciate having the opportunity with you here. You as well. Thanks, Steve. You're the best. Thank you.